honest with you. I, I don't use those commentaries as much as I use others. Uh, I need something that's a little more simplistic, something that's on my level, something that I, can, that I can understand, something that's in layman's terms. And that's sort of what's going on here in the book of, uh, of Thessalonians. Uh, Paul is writing to these Christians, many of them who were young Christians, and he's, he is uh, teaching them concerning their Christian walk. The thing I love about this book is this, that he doesn't just challenge them on their walk with the Lord, but he tells them exactly what they need to do to walk with the Lord and have a walk that pleases him. Look back, if you will, at uh, verse number one again. And Paul says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. So Paul writes to this church and he says, listen, come on now, hang in there. Uh, don't go anywhere. Don't leave. Don't get caught up with these false teachers and what they're teaching. He's encouraging them to be faithful, to be steadfast, to be unmovable. And then he says, listen, I'm going to tell you how you can walk with the Lord. And I'm going to tell you how you can have a walk that is pleasing to the Lord. Now, let me tell you what's really sad. There's a lot of people out there today who feel like they can't, uh, they, that they can't live the Christian life. And they feel like they definitely can't live a Christian life that pleases the Lord. I've talked to some, and I'm sure you have as well, and uh, gave them the gospel, and they said, well, you know what, preacher? Uh, one of these days I might get saved, but I can't live it. I, I don't think, I've had people tell me that. I don't think I can live the Christian life. And uh, I want to say, uh, I, I want to address that by saying this. It is much harder to live for the devil than it is for the Lord. It's much harder to live uh, a wicked life, a worldly life, a life that's given to sin. Listen, friend, it's much harder to live that life than to live a life that's dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. It really is. That's, by the way, I'm not making that up. That's the truth. Uh, listen, I'm telling you something. Thank God I'm saved and thank God I'm living for the, for the Lord. And I love it. I love it. But those folks that are those folks that are constantly putting off salvation and, and they say, well, you know, Pastor, I've got some things in my life. Well, get them out of your life. Get them out of your life. It's that, you know what? It's that simple. Get them out of your life. Well, you know, I don't think I can live the Christian life. Listen, if you can live a wicked life for Satan, you can definitely live a life for Jesus. Because that wicked life is much more complicated. Uh, it, is, it, it, is, it is held with struggles. For instance, for instance, those folks that are living the drug life, you know what? It's nothing but problems. It's problematic. From the get-go, it's problematic. If you get in that, that life, and I hope you never do, you young people that are here tonight, those that are watching by way of live stream, don't go that way. Don't go down that route. Because that's not a good life to live. It's a complicated life, very complicated. Listen, if you get on drugs, then you begin to have to battle with addictions. And if you battle with addictions, guess what's going to happen? If you stay there, it's going to destroy your health. It's going to destroy you. If you are addicted, you know what? You're going to have no money. And typically, those people that are, that are living their life on drugs have no money. An amen goes right there. And don't worry, I came in fired up tonight. I'll amen myself tonight. That's not a problem at all. Uh, and some of this stuff, you know, some of this stuff's probably not gonna be easy to amen tonight. But, but I'm just telling you, listen, living a wicked life is much more complicated than living for the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, when you live the adulterous life, that's complicated. 
It's complicated. Much more complicated than just being faithful to this little redhead for 38 years and just loving her and let her love me and just live together. Uh, you know what? That's, I'm telling you, friend, that's a very simple way to live. But if you decide I'm going to live the adulterous lifestyle, it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, you know why? Because you're always afraid your spouse is going to find out. You always have to make sure your phone's with you. Uh, you always have to make sure your phone's turned up, you know, turned face down so nobody sees what pops up. I mean, it's just complicated. You, you see what I'm, what I'm saying tonight? Uh, that's, that's the way that life is. If you're li living the drinking life, you know what? You're constantly having to ha have to deal with the effects of a hangover. You're constantly having to, having to you know, you're thinking about, oh, man, I hope a, I hope a cop don't get behind me tonight. I've, I've had a little bit too much to drink. Now, I'm going to tell him I only had, two, only had two beers, but I know, and realistically, I know I've had more than that, and, uh, oh, man, I hope I don't go through a, a license check tonight. Oh, man, I hope they don't search my car. Oh, man, I hope they don't smell alcohol on me. Oh, man, I hope I make it home safely. Oh, Oh man, I hope I don't hit anybody on my way home. You see what I'm saying? It is a complicated, a complicated life. Listen to me. The Christian life's not like that. It's not like that at all. When you live, listen, when you live that lifestyle, when you live that immoral life, you know what happens? You're constantly dealing with the overpowering effects of lust. And by the way, they are overpowering. And so for any young man who says, I can handle it, preacher. No, you can't. Preacher, I'm not you. I can handle it. No, you can't. You can't. You say, Preacher, you think you know everything? I don't know everything, but I know what I'm talking about right now. You can't. You can't handle it. You're not that strong. You're not Jesus. And so you can't handle it. And folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, if there is a destructive force that's at work in our world today, it's lust. It is ruining us. I'm telling you, man, it's ruining churches. It's ruining homes. It's ruining marriages. It's ruining minds. I'm telling you, man, I am so, I am so concerned about this because I'm telling you, some of our young men, by the time they get to marrying age, their mind is so messed up. They can't even go to marriage right. I'm preaching it right tonight. Now, what's your point, preacher? My point is, it's complicated. When you live that lifestyle, it's complicated. Numbers 32, 23. But if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so, hey, listen. Uh, when you sow that kind of lifestyle, it's coming back. So what do you do? How, how, can we, how can we walk with the Lord? And how can we walk with the Lord in such a way that it really pleases, that it really pleases the Lord? This is very simple tonight, but I believe this is going to be a help to you. How about this? Number one, the Bible tells us we're to strive for purity. Now, look back at your Bibles again, 1 Thessalonians 4. And Paul's getting ready to tell us how we can have a walk that's pleasing to the Lord 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, he said, for this is the will of God. You don't even have to pray about this. You don't have to go to the pastor for counsel. Preacher, do you think this is the will of God? God says, listen, 
This is the will of God. That's what he says. No doubt about it. You don't have to hope or think or pray. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Now, there's a lot going on in those verses that we read right there. There's a lot of words. And there's even some words that maybe we don't, uh, that we don't use a whole lot nowadays. And so I want to just go through and discuss some of those words. First of all, we notice the word concupiscence. Concupiscence. What is that? We're not to be, we are not to be caught up in the lust of concupiscence. Uh, it's a word that just, just means this. It means forbidden desires or lust. Forbidden desires or lust. And listen, how many know this? There are some things that are forbidden. And, and we, we live in that culture who says, you know what? I can do. Anything I want to do, and that's true, you can, but you're going to reap. Uh, and if we decide that we're going to go against what God says, then we're going to reap the repercussions of that. And God says, listen, I don't want you involved in that. I don't want you involved in concupiscence. I don't want you involved in those forbidden desires, those, those forbidden lusts. He mentions the word fornication there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 uh, and verse number, uh, uh, verse number 3, fornication. And that word fornication just, just simply means sexual immorality of any kind. And so that can be anything. It could be intimacy outside of marriage. It could be adultery. It could be intimacy between people of the same sex. It can be uh, it can be be uh, incest. It could be uh, pornography. Uh, but this is what the Lord is saying. If you want to walk before me and you want to please me, you're going to have to make sure that you strive for purity. Uh, if you're going to please God, this is what he's saying. If we're going to please God, then we need to take our bodies and set our bodies apart for the cause of Christ. In fact, he mentions that word sanctification not once, but he mentions it twice. Sanctification. You'll notice that. It's the Greek word hagiosmos, and it means purification. It means holiness. Uh, he also mentions the word honor, that we're to possess our vessel in sanctification and honor. And that word honor, study it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Study it out for yourself. The word honor there is a word that means valuable. In other words, in other words, we're to take this vessel, this vessel, this body that God has created. It's not to be involved in concupiscence. It's not to be involved in immorality. It's not to be involved in impurity. It's to be involved uh, in sanctification and honor. We're to take this body that God has given us and we're to set this body apart for God's service, for God's glory. And he said, and honor. We're to understand that this body that we have is worth something. It's worth something. God gave you that body. God created you. And by the way, God don't make any junk. And so you're here tonight, you say, preacher, I'm not worth anything. Who told you that? God didn't tell you that. God never told you that. I'll tell you who told you. I know who told you. Satan told you that. You're not worth anything. Man, you're not, you're not worth the gunpowder and the bullet that would blow your brains out. That's what he says. You're not worth anything. You're scum. You're the off-scaring. I'll tell you, I don't even know why you're living. That's, that's, that's how the devil talks. And yet the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit says, don't, don't you believe that? You mean 
something to God. You're valuable. God has made you purposely, and God has uh, God, God has something for you to do, and 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 you're to treat yourself like you have. Uh, honor, like you are valuable. Have you ever done this? Have you ever seen somebody purchase a brand new car or maybe even a brand new house and they trashed it? You ever seen that? I mean, went to a car dealership somewhere and drove a car off the showroom floor or drove it off the, the lot and I mean, in a few months, that thing was trash. That's a shame. To spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on something and then just not take care of it not, and just let it go to pot, act like it's not a big deal. That's what God is saying. God is saying you're worth something. You're valuable. I created you the way I created you. I made you how tall you are, how short you are. I, I gave you the color hair you have. I gave you the color eyes you have. Uh, listen, I know where you are. I know what you're facing. I know what you're going through. And don't you believe the enemy when the enemy tells you that you're not worth anything. You're worth everything God has sent. And because of that, we're to take these vessels and we're to set these vessels apart in sanctification and honor. We're to treat them like they're valuable Young people, listen, let your pastor speak into your life just for a minute. You're valuable. Man, don't, don't, don't get out there and, and act. Act like the world. Save yourself. Protect your virtue. Protect your testimony. Protect your purity. Man, protect your, listen, protect yourself. Take a stand for what's right, you say. Preacher, everybody's doing it. That's a lie. Everybody's not doing it. And if, if, if everybody was doing it, wouldn't make it right for you. But everybody's not doing it. And we're to, listen, we're to conduct ourselves in honor and sanctification. I love this. This was a, a young lady, a, a senior in high school, and she was sharing this with her class, maybe at the commencement, the graduation service, and she said this. She said, when we date, we start giving gifts like flowers or candy. When a couple becomes engaged, they might give something special like a diamond ring. But the most personal gift that I can ever give is myself. I have nothing more precious to give. And when I marry, I want to give my husband the best that I have, my whole self, as completely as I can. Now, church, that's not, you know what, that's not popular preaching anymore. But this is what our Bible's telling us. If we're going to walk a walk that pleases the Lord, we must strive for purity. Man, we've got to guard ourselves against temptation and we've got to take a stand for what is right. Let me go to the next thing. Number next, if we're going to walk a walk that pleases the Lord, number two, seek to love everyone. Now, look back at your Bibles again. 1 Thessalonians chapter number four and look at verse number nine. 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse number nine. Don't forget, Paul's telling the church what they can do to have a walk that pleases God. Not only strive for purity, but seek to love everybody. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Paul says, I know you've already heard that. You've already heard that talk. You know that. But look what he says. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren 
which are in all Macedonia. But I like this. Paul says, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. You know what Paul is saying there? Don't just love those folks in your little circle. He said, I want you to do more than it. Don't just love the people in Macedonia. You love those folks who talk like you, look like you, and they live in your area. You love those folks. Paul said, you got that down. You, you, you got that. But Paul said, I don't want you just to love those people. I want, you to, I want you to love more and more. What's he saying? Hey, I want you to love those people that don't look like you. I want you to love those people who don't act like you. I want you to, to love those people who didn't come up like you, who don't know you know, they don't know what you know. They don't know about church and how you act in church and all that kind of thing. And by the way, I'm so thankful that I pastor a church like that that just, that just, that just loves everybody. And, 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 and listen, I, man, I didn't come here. I came here to encourage. I didn't come here to make anybody mad tonight. But I, I, I'm just going to tell you, just in case there's anybody here tonight, you'll say, Preacher, you know what happened on Sunday? I mean, is that, you know, we're going to keep going that direction. I just want to let you know we are. We had all walks of life here Sunday. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're precious in his sight. You say, I don't know, preacher. We keep doing that kind of thing. I think I'm gone. I'll see you. Well, preacher, this is a white church. Oh, okay. How about give me a chapter and verse on that one? I don't know why you're letting these Hispanic people in here. This is a white church. Preacher, you know where you're pastoring? You know this is Union Grove? I know exactly where I'm at. And by the way, I know where he's at. And I know where he stands on this. And I know this beyond a shadow of any doubt. If Jesus Christ were pastoring this church right now in 2023, I can guarantee you every single walk of life would be welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. By the way, that's exactly what he's saying here. In fact, I noticed this. He didn't just say it once. He said it twice. Look, look back at your Bible. Look at chapter 3. And look at verse number 12. He says, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. And look what this next line says. And toward, what's, the, what's it say? All men, even as we do toward you. Take, now, now hold your place because we're going right back there. But I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 5. I don't know we got to hurry tonight, but look at Matthew chapter 5. You know, one of, the, you know, one of the, the problems that the Lord Jesus had with the Pharisees was this. The Pharisees had a knack for loving their own kind. Man, they had their long flowing robes on and their phylacteries on their head and they had their scripture verses wrapped around their arms and they had their prayer shawls and, and all this kind of thing. And, and boy, as long as you were a Pharisee, boy, they loved you. They loved you, but they didn't love anybody else much. And look what Jesus says to them. Matthew chapter five, verse 43. He said, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do get in them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Look at verse 46. He said, for if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? 
And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publican so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any kind of an undercurrent or anything like that that's going on in this church right now uh, that that has a problem with us just inviting everybody here. But if you meet them, just go ahead and tell them we love everybody. We we love everybody so much. Just tell them this: we love everybody so much. We'll even love you if you come here for a little while. And so Paul, so Paul says to the church here, listen, I'm going to tell you how to walk, and I'm going to tell you how to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Number one, strive for purity. Number two, seek to love everybody. But listen to this. Listen to this, church. Look at this. Number three, Paul says, study to be quiet. And that's interesting. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 11. Paul says, and that you study to be quiet. And to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you study to be quiet. That's what, what, what a statement. That you study to be quiet. That word quiet there in your Bible means to keep still. And it also means to refrain from, and I didn't even know this was a word, but it means to refrain from meddlesomeness. Is that a word, Brother Mike? I don't know. It is tonight, Amen. I didn't make this up. That's what they had down there, to refrain from meddlesomeness. Now, church, and I don't have to tell you this. You already know this is the truth. There are some people, they're just not happy about anything. I know you don't know any like that. They're always up in the air about something. There's always, you know what? They love drama. They love it. And if there's not some drama in the family, they'll make some up. And if the church is going great and people are being saved and they are and people are being baptized and they are and the church is growing and it is and man, if there's not drama in the church, there are some people and they'll drum it up themselves because they're just not satisfied unless there's some kind of drama. There's something going on. They've got to, listen, they've got something inside of them. They've just got to be, they have got to be involved in other people's business. And Paul gives us a remedy, and this is the remedy, study to be quiet. Now, what does that mean? Look at this. When Paul says study to be quiet, it means this. It means mind your own business. You say, preacher, you're making that up. My friend, it is right there in black and white. Look, look at it. Look at verse 11. Paul said, I'm going to tell you how to walk, and I'm going to tell you how to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Do you want to know how to please the Lord? Here we go. He said that you study to be quiet and to do your own business. The psalmist said it like this in Psalm 131, verse 1. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Let's see, it's 8.13, we got time. Hold your place, but turn over to John chapter 21. Now I think Church Peter's probably a picture of all of us. And how many know that there were times when Peter was sticking his foot in his mouth and, and there, were, uh, there were times when the Lord Jesus had to rebuke 
the apostle Peter. And one of the things we find the Lord rebuking Peter for was Peter was not studying to be quiet. Look at John chapter 21, verse 19. The Lord's very close to the cross. John 21, verse 19, this spake he, verse 19, this spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter turning about, watch this now, because this is so important. Then Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Peter, there's your problem. When you get your eyes when you've got Jesus right there in front of you and you're not looking at Jesus, you're looking at somebody else, you have a problem. And so here Peter is in the presence of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and yet Peter is not looking at Jesus. Peter's looking at John. And the Bible says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. John leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, John, Peter looking at John, Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What's John gonna do? Verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know what Jesus was saying to Peter? Mind your own business. John's none of your concern. Quit worrying about John. Oh, this is good preaching tonight. Hallelujah. We're getting some help tonight. Man, get your eyes off John, Peter. And listen, mind, listen, mind your own business. Oh, listen. You know why churches are having problems nowadays? People aren't studying to be quiet. What about brother so-and-so? What about brother so-and-so? What about sister so-and-so? Well, I got a question for you. When God's doing so many great things at Calvary, why are you looking at sister so-and-so? And why are you watching brother so-and-so? Why are you so focused on brother so-and-so? Why are you consumed with sister so-and-so? Listen, get your eyes off of them and get your eyes on Jesus. And study to be quiet. Listen to this. So study to be quiet means minding your business. Study to be quiet means being busy in the work. Now go back to 1 Thessalonians again. I know we're turning some places. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, I'm going to teach you how to have a walk with the Lord that pleases the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11, and that you study to be quiet and, and to do your own business. Then he says this, and to, and to what? What's the next word? And to work with, your, with whose hands? Your own hands as we commanded you. Look at the next verse, verse 12. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. And some people are so interested in everybody else's affairs. You know why? They don't have enough work to keep them busy. In fact, somebody said it like this. There are two reasons why people can't mind their own business. One is they haven't any mind. And the other is they haven't any business. That's, that, that's so true. In other words, they're not busy. Folks, when you're not busy, you have a tendency to, to pay attention to other people. I'm telling you, you say, preacher, what about, the, what about the preacher down the road? I don't know about the preacher down the road. Are you kidding me? I'm fine to keep my head above water. Are you, are you serious? 
Preacher, are you, are you going to start, you know, printing periodicals and sending them out across America, you know, against this preacher and that preacher and this pastor and that evangelist? No, I'm not. You know why? It is a full-time job just keeping me straight. And when you are as busy as I am, man, I don't have time to be checking up on all these other preachers. I pray for them. I do pray for them. But I don't have time to be, be delving into their business. And that's what the Lord is saying here. Listen, if you're going to study to be quiet, you need to be busy. Get involved. Get busy working. Now, again, just this, this is just, the Bible's just interesting. Anybody else agree with that? The Bible's just interesting. And especially when you start comparing Scripture with Scripture. It's amazing how one Scripture sheds light on another Scripture. And I think we find that. You're in 1 Thessalonians. Turn to the right just a few pages and look at 1 Peter, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5. And again, I just, I thought this really dovetailed into what we were just talking about, being busy, not being meddlesome, but being busy. And in in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul is challenging Timothy concerning the widows, concerning the widows in the church. You will say, well, pastor, what's that got to do with anything? Well, let's look at it. In in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says to Timothy, let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old. That's 60 years old. So the church, they had widows back in this day, and those widows were really struggling. And so the church would, the church would come alongside of those widows, and they would uh, help those widows. And so he says, let not a widow be taken into the number under 60, under three score, three score years old, having been the wife of one man. Verse 10, well reported of for her good works. Now watch this, church, and, and I've got some words highlighted here well reported of for good works. Look at the next word. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good, what's the word? This is wonderful. You know what Paul's saying here, church? You need to help these older widows if. You need to help these these older widows. The husband has passed away. The culture was very different back in this day and time. Ladies didn't have a, they didn't necessarily have an income coming in at all. And, And Paul says, listen, church, you need to help these widows, but here's the widows you need to help if. If they've been busy, if they've been active, if they've been involved in the work of the church and the ministry and they've really been spending themselves and and active, uh, Paul says, "You you need to help them. But he didn't stop there. Look at verse 11. But the younger widows refuse. For when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. Look at verse 13, though. And with all, they learn to be, what's the word? They learn to be idle. And look what happens when you're idle. Wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but tattlers also. And what else? Speaking things which they ought not And Paul says, I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, 
Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Listen, if you bear children and guide the house and uh, marry, you're going to be busy. All you mamas can say amen right there. That's fine. You mamas that have little ones at home right now, you say, preacher, I can't get it all done. That's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, Here, here's a problem. Some of these widows don't have any. Oh, man. Man, I'm enjoying my own preaching tonight. Paul said, some of these widows don't have anything else to do. And so because of that, they're getting involved in everybody else's business. You know what the, you know what the remedy is? Get busy. That's what he says. Man, make sure, make, sure that you, make sure that you are busy. Can I tell you tonight why so many kids are getting into trouble? Why kids are getting into drugs? Why kids are drinking alcohol? Can I tell you why so many kids are getting involved in sexual immorality? Can I tell you why? They're not busy enough. They're not busy enough. Not listen, I, I, I really, I want to be charismatic and debonair tonight, but I, it, ain't, it just ain't working out this evening. No wonder kids are getting into so much trouble when they're staying around the house all day playing video games and won't even get off the couch and won't get a job. And listen, no wonder they're popping pills. No wonder they're drinking booze. No wonder they're sexually promiscuous. No wonder they're having so many problems. No wonder they're picking up sexually transmitted diseases. You, you say, preacher, what's the remedy? Here's the remedy. Work. Get you a job. Now listen to me. And some of these folks started, started before this. My, I got my first job 15 years old. My daddy helped me get it. Before I got my first job, he kept me very busy. Very busy. But when I was 15 years old, daddy said, it's time to get a job. There was a dairy farm up the road from where mom and dad lived. Many of you have been to mom and dad's, and I sure appreciate your care for my, my parents. There was a dairy farm up the road from, from uh, our house, and so Daddy took me up there, and we spoke to the, the farmer there, and he said, my son's looking for some work. And so, sure enough, I got hired at this dairy farm making three twenty-five an hour. Come on now. I mean, making the jack, brother. I mean, yeah. Every morning, I'm in high school. Every morning, I'm up at four, we're milking by five. I, we get done milking. I don't have a car, and Daddy didn't take me. I rode my 10-speed. You say, what'd you do in January? I rode my 10-speed. You know it's cold when you're riding your 10-speed and your nose holes close up and they won't open up. You know it's cold. <laughs> Listen. I'd milk cows in the morning. I'd get on my 10-speed bike. I'd ride home. I'd take a shower. I'd get my school clothes on. I'd go to school. I'd go to school all day. When I got out of school, we got out of school just a little early back in that day and time. They had some kind of a work program, and I'd get out of school. I was getting silage by three, getting them silage by three. We're milking by four. By the way, we did that every day. On Sunday morning, I milk cows on Sunday morning. Got up silage, milked cows on Sunday morning, rode my 10-speed bike home, took a shower. You would have known if I didn't take a shower, I promise you that. <laughs> took a shower, got my Sunday clothes on, went to church. Now, 
I'm thankful for that, and I'll tell you why. That kept me out of a lot of trouble. You said, Rich, I wish we could figure out all the problems in, in America. I can tell you a big problem solver. Some kids need to quit being so stinking lazy and get a job. Amen. Amen, preacher. Preaching good tonight. Amen. Well, I went somewhere and put an application, but they were only going to pay me $18 an hour. I've never beat my head up against the wall, but I want that makes me want to do it. I'm thinking, what? And that's what's going on out these people. Kids say, they were only going to pay me 10 bucks an hour. I'm thinking, what? 10 bucks an hour beats zero an hour? Does that make sense to anybody else in this room? They're only going to pay me 10 bucks an hour. Hey, work eight hours. That's 80 bucks. That beats zero. You won't have to be going to your mom and dad and begging your mom and dad for money and begging your mom and dad for gas money and begging your mom and dad for this. Listen, when I came up, I didn't want to beg mom and dad for everything. And by the way, they wouldn't have given it to me if I'd have begged them for it anyway. Thank God I had a, I had a daddy eagle that kicked me out of the nest and said, hey, it's time for you to grow up and get a job. And thank God it kept me out of a lot of problems. Amen. Aren't we glad we came to the house of the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Well, I'm just skipping over stuff. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, for even we were, when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 12, now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. 1 Timothy 5.8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You say, preacher, I just I don't want to be, I just don't want to, I don't want to put too much on my kids. And they're playing video games five hours a day and watching Dr. Phil and getting their mind all messed up. You might need to get a pair of scissors out and just cut the cord, the TV cord, the cable cord. Whatever cord, apron cord, whatever, whatever you need to cut. Hey, listen to Lamentations 3.27. Listen to this, Lamentations 3.27. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. In his youth. What's that mean? Young men ought to learn how to work. And young ladies, when your mom asks you to wash the dishes, you ought not... Cloud up in rain, pitch a fit. If you're, if you're a young lady here uh, tonight, and I love you to death, but if you're a young lady here tonight and you don't even know how to wash clothes, shame on you. I mean, the, the, the dirty clothes in the house looks like Grandfather Mountain. Your daddy's working 40, 50 hours a week. Your mama's working 40 hours a week. And the laundry never, never gets touched. I should have saved this one for Sunday, brother. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. You ought to get in there and get that laundry and learn how to do it, learn how to wash clothes, learn how to wash dishes. Amen. We need to get back to this kind of preaching. 
in America. That's why we're in such, we're, we're a wreck. I mean, we folks, we are a wreck in America. What can we do to walk with God? Not just walk with God, but please the Lord in our walk. Number one, strive for purity. Seek to love everybody. Study to be quiet, and we're done. We're done tonight. Number four, see this life as temporal. That's what Paul tells these people. Now look, if you will, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and look at verse number 1. We're to see this life as temporal. Hey, church, we don't have much time. We got to get with it. And Paul, Paul tells this church, don't you get out. Don't, don't you get out. Let me tell you why you shouldn't get out. Look what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. Some folks are living like this world's going to last forever and ever and ever, but it's not. This life's temporal. It's temporal. There was a preacher who was preaching one day, and, uh, and uh, man, he got to preaching, and he was trying to tell his congregation about how brief life is, how the shortness of life. And he just reared back, and he said this. He said, church, he said, I want you to understand something. He said, every church member in this church, you're going to die. And when he said that, there was this guy in the back. And when the preacher said, every church member in this church is going to die, that man got the biggest smile on his face. And the preacher thought, he didn't hear me right. So he said, I'm going to say it again. So he just reared back, took a deep breath, and he said, I'm just telling you. He said, life is short. He said, every church member in this church is going to die. And that guy, big smile, just, I mean, beaming back there. So he thought, hey, I'm going to get him three times as a charm. So he backed it up and took a deep breath and he said it again. He said, I'm telling you, church. He said, every church member in this church is going to die. God never quit smiling the whole time. After the service, pastor made a beeline to me. He said, man, he said, when I said that every church member in this church is going to die, he said, you just smile just as big as can be. He said, why are you smiling so big? He said, because I'm not a member here. I got news for us. It don't matter where you're a member. You're going to die. This life's temporal. I mean, listen, it's, this life's temporal. That's why, that's why we preach like we preach and we serve like we serve. And that's why you serve like you serve. And you don't know how much I appreciate your dedication and your faithfulness and being in your places and preaching and teaching and ministering. You know why? Because we know something. Life is short. And Jesus is coming. Aren't you glad we can have a walk with God? But not just a walk, but we can have a walk that pleases him. You can bow your heads tonight, if you will. Father, I just, I'm going to thank you personally for this message. Lord, maybe I, maybe I needed this. Maybe I needed this specific challenge. Maybe these are, these are some things that I've been needing to say for a long time. I don't know what it is, but, Lord, I'm, while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's just bearing witness with my spirit. God, I don't want to just walk, but I want to walk in such a way that it pleases my God. And so, Lord, I pray that as a church family, you'd help us to stay pure. God, help our young people. I know we're living in troublesome times and wicked and immoral times. Oh, God. Help our young men. 
Help our young ladies to keep themselves pure, pure. But not just the young people. God, I pray that you'd help us as adults. God, help us to strive to be pure. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take every one of these points tonight. Help us to love everybody. God, I pray that you'd just come beside us and help us, Lord, to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Just a question. Is there anybody here on this Wednesday night who might say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. If, if there's anybody like that here tonight, oh, I trust you'll give your heart to the Lord this evening. Is there anybody like that tonight? You'd let me pray for you. Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? And I can pray for you. So let's do this. Let's stand all over the house tonight. And we're gonna pause just for a moment. And if you have a need uh, or a burden or you need prayer, or anything like that at all tonight. I'm going to make my way to the main floor just for a moment, okay? And if we can help you, if we can pray with you, we'll be here. We'll be here. And uh, while we wait tonight, you come and do, do business with the Lord. You don't have to come to see me, but if you have a need, you can come to the altar tonight and you do business with the Lord, and that'd be great.